Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You are listening to Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. It's Metal Shop here on The Rock, 99.9 KISW, um, kind of on the phone, sort of, internet-wise. We're, I'm Skyping with uh, Vince Edwards. You might not know his name. He's not, like, in some huge, you know, touring national band, but he has a lot to do with metal, uh, to be exact, Metal Blade Records. He, he has been employed by Metal Blade Records for quite a while now. Uh, down in California, how you doing, Vince? Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, so before we go any further, you do a podcast yourself for Metal Blade Records, and and uh, I do believe you're like resurrecting it. Uh, what's the what's the deal with the the Metal Blade podcast? Yeah, there's been a couple iterations over the years, and um, the first one I didn't do, and then uh, a few years after that, kind of went away. We tried to do it again, and then one more time after that. And then and now we're we're kind of trying to see if it's going to stick this time. It's really kind of a difficult thing to do a podcast for a label. Yeah. You know, how do we make it interesting while promoting kind of our artists without being too overly selly and kind of find a format? Because I, I think a lot of what people like about podcasts is the kind of realness and you can be a little bit more raw and say things that oh, aren't on the radio. But like we, we got to kind of be careful about how real we get. <laughs> so it, it's been a little bit of a struggle in that regard. I mean, like, you know, you kind of still want to be, you know, supportive. What if there's like a record that you don't like and on a regular podcast, right. you'd be like, man, that's, but like, you know, it's a label yeah. podcast. It's like, you know, your real, your, your, your idea is to kind of get people out to support the bands and, you know, you, there's all, yeah, like you said, you, you, you kind of got to be uh, <clears throat> a certain level of real without being kind of, um, you know, kind yeah, of a dick and, about and it. We'll definitely have people on that aren't Metal Blade artists as guests uh, from time to time, just kind of people that are either in metal as well or yeah. loosely affiliated. Uh, we did a little bit of that last time. We got to talk to Sam Didier at Blizzard Entertainment. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, some, some people from NASA at one point. Um there's a bunch of metalheads at NASA JPL that are out at shows on a pretty regular basis, and we've uh, all kind of become friends with a few of them over the years. So, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, so tell me, um, to anyone listening right now, obviously, continue to listen to this podcast, but once you're done, uh, how do we find your podcast, and uh, well, you know, when that, does it that's, come out? That's what we're working on. Um, Spotify is starting kind of a, a monetized podcast, mm -hmm. somehow, like, streaming part of their service. I, I think it already, actually already did launch. So we're looking at routing it through that, uh, good, through good. our distributor and, and kind of before we had done it all on our own, um, just pushing out the RSS feeds, yeah. all the, the web tech stuff. I know some web tech stuff, but uh, not to that level. So our web guy would push it out manually. But now we're looking at kind of going through our distributor and 
making it a little bit more official, if that makes any sense, and uh, getting the episodes up on YouTube as they launch. So we're kind of getting those wheels in motion and seeing when uh, our launch dates can be. You're going to be the metal uh, Joe Rogan, man. <laughs> ah, I, I wish we could be that interesting and wacky. Uh, but it's it's me and uh, Ryan Williams, uh, who works at Metal Blade, that you might know as Bart from the Black Dahlia murder from a uh, couple years back, yeah. and uh, Riley McShane, the vocalist for Allegiant, uh, for the, uh, we'll see how it goes. Oh, that's awesome, man. Um, right on. Well, uh, imagine that, that there's actually like money and monetization in podcasting. Who would have ever thought? Yeah, it's weird, right? I, I don't know if this will ever get to that point. I mean, it's... In my experience, monetizing anything like this that's kind of new and episodic, you know, it takes a heck of a lot of time and effort. It's like when people try to Twitch stream and things like that, it yeah. it sounds good to get going and it doesn't take that much to make some money, but to make a real amount of money to make the, the time investment worth it and all that, you really have to uh, bust your ass to get there. So we'll see. I don't know. Well, it sounds like, well, I know that, uh, you know, we haven't talked about it yet, but I know that you already bust your ass quite a bit uh, behind the scenes at Metal Blade and stuff. So, I mean, let's get yeah. to that. Um, you know, uh, so exactly, like, I came down uh, maybe a few years ago, and I got a tour of the office, and you guys have a really, really cool thing there in, in kind of an, an unassuming office complex in Southern California, which is pretty cool. Like, you would just be hanging out, and there's probably, like, lawyers or dentists around you guys, and then it's just this, like, unmarked building, and it's just, like, you know, Cannibal Corpse, Amonomarth, King Diamond, right. plaques and stuff, and... uh um, yeah, um, we've been at three different offices now since I started at Metal Blade in 2007. Oh, you know, wow. Just just like every other, uh, everyone else in Southern California, mm -hmm. you know, chasing rent and better deals oh, and yeah. all those types of things. Um, but the place we're in now is in uh, Sherman Oaks. And yeah, it's totally unassuming. And there's uh, uh, like insurance places and uh, legal offices and financial inv advisors and then us. It's great. <laughs> So what's exactly your title at Metal Blade? I know I first met you because you handle like a lot of the publicity and you send out you were originally sending out demo CD or the promo CDs. Now it's mostly handled online and, and through MP3s yeah. and stuff. But what's exactly your, your title? Because it seems like you do a lot of work behind the scenes on, on various different fronts. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that right. figure that out right now, actually, what to actually call it. OK, I had it discussion like one day maybe i should have one because uh, when i was hired it was originally just to do college radio promotions and this was around the time that uh, myspace was still massive mm -hmm. and facebook uh was just about to launch pages for the first time oh, uh, yeah that was actually a couple of years after i started so i was the kind of young guy out of college in the office that could handle all that so i kind of started the whole social media department as well which cool. uh we, we now have multiple people doing that and um, that we needed we have a great need for video content and photography. So I picked up a old Canon camera and uh, I've since upgraded a couple times, but just picked one up on a weekend and started shooting live shows and music videos. So I've been kind of doing that ever since as well. And I mean, some of the stuff that I've kind of watched your career as far as that go, just like blow up, man. You, you went from, like you said, just kind of picking up a camera. And then I've seen some of the videos you've done. You've done videos for Guar. You've done videos for Amon Marth, And you've worked, you've gone on tour with some of these bands. And uh, how uh, <clears throat> how did that become like, uh, did, did uh, you kind of just take that role upon and then just kind of get better and better and better as you went? Yeah, I, I definitely still feel like I'm getting better, and uh, I hate most everything I've ever done. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that you're going to find many people that are just like super stoked on things a couple years later. Uh, but yeah, there's some there's some decent stuff in there for sure. 
And look, when the art is good and the band is good, it makes it a lot easier, right? So a yeah. lot of times it's just if the camera's in focus and the shot doesn't look that bad, you know, the band is doing most of the work. But um, yeah, I, um, I I don't know. It's it's crazy to look back and see how many I've done and um, kind of look ahead and think what kind of crazy nonsense I can whip up here. Yeah. I, I just really uh, dusted off my After Effects. Like I, I was really rusty and then I had to do a Black Dahlia Murder lyric video out of nowhere was kind of unplanned and I had a limited time frame. So I kind of like reinvigorated my interest in After Effects after kind of being bummed out on it for a long time. It's hard. It's hard to be creative on deadlines and and things like that where you if, – if you wake up one day and you don't feel creative, it's not a fucking hobby. You have to do it. You have to figure out a way to make this video interesting. Yep. And sometimes that like that, – that pressure is just – crippling a bit you have to kind of step away and think about it and let your mind wander before you come up with some cool ideas yeah dude i hear you man and and it's it's really cool and uh is there any way that people can kind of follow some of the work that you do is there uh do you have like a youtube channel or anything like that i do yeah um if you go to vinnieedwards.com uh i set that up for some reason like two years ago yeah um, I do have the YouTube playlist there that is kind of like my collected works. I started it on my personal YouTube channel uh, just to have a record of what I've done. Mm-hmm. It, was, it wasn't something I like publicly share or whatever. Just I wanted to actually keep track of things I had done over time if I had to reference or whatever. So, it, yeah, it, kind of forget after a while how many you've done and then scroll through YouTube videos of Metal Blade when I'm updating stuff and just – think yeah i forgot i did that like four years ago holy hell what uh man that's awesome so uh with record labels changing you know and and the music industry evolving and everything um was it do you it may not have been that way intentionally but do you think that you taking on new roles is kind of a necessity to like stay relevant and stay kind of like evolving with the ever-changing industry yeah and and that's really part of it too right um, Taking labels. on new responsibilities and stuff. Yeah, we, we want to help as much as we can uh, to help bands build content and build their image and yeah. just continue to grow professionally and make them look more professional. And with that came the need for really quick in-house photography and video production. Yeah. Uh, and that's really it. It's not that we don't hire out for those things. We hire out some of the most talented human beings on earth to, to do a lot of the real heavy lifting. Sure. But some of the stuff that might be a really truncated timeline or there might be a giant budget for, I can just knock it, knock it out and save both the band and the company a, you know, a couple hundred bucks here and there, a couple thousand bucks. Uh, and do it in house and then we have the total control then we know the band is going to be happy because I mean we of course don't roll anything out without full band approval of course yeah. Uh, so th- so there's no issues there so it's not as if you know if, if I screw it up the band can still say no there's certainly things uh, both photo and video that I've done that never saw the light of day uh, so ultimately it's still the bands uh, what the band wants to have out there is going to be out there okay um Man, yeah, so definitely go to VinnieEdwards.com and check out some of his stuff. You, you'd probably be surprised at some, yeah, of, the, why not? some, of, the, uh, some of the artists this guy's worked with. Um, now, let's get a little bit of um, like a background on you, man. Like what got you kind of like the light bulb moment? Do you remember like kind of first getting into music? Did you What got you into heavy music or like what were some of your first metal CDs or metal concerts? Do you remember? I, I, yeah, I was always kind of a, a, a naturally skeptical and angry person. So part of that <laughs> nice. kind of subver- subversive, yeah. I don't know if you really call it sub- subversive, just uh, contrarian in me kind sure. of drew yeah. me to metal. 
I remember in middle school going to bowling club in Wisconsin and hearing Metallica on the jukebox. Okay. You know, those usual things. Yeah. And uh, as you discover artists, like I, I discovered a lot of artists through music choice metal um, at my grandma's house because uh, she had the fancy cable. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that's where I first heard bands like In Flames and mm-hmm. Iced Earth and uh, – uh, you name it, anything heavy that's not on the radio and heavier than Metallica. Yeah, that was their first. And I, I actually I talked to Chris Broderick about this not too long ago that I realized I saw him play with Jag Panzer in Flames and Iced Earth on tour in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's crazy. Um, and I just one of the only things I remember about Jag Panzer set was a really muscular guitar player in a wife beater. <laughs> yes. You're so I, I realized one day, holy, f- that's Chris Broderick. Right? I've now shot two music videos with that guy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, with that pretty crazy. Defiance? But yeah, it, it was uh, sorry. Sorry, I'm kind of wandering here. It's, oh, it's no. been a long day. I'm a little bit tired. But um, yeah, no, all, all that kind of led into I played in bands in high school and college. And I did college radio at the University of Wisconsin Platteville at a station there. That's really good. Yeah. And uh, that turned into you make. Uh, just, just like you talked to me when I was in college radio, I talked to metal labels and they sent over music and I, you know, that's college radio is actually a place where people get into the music business. There's a, a load of people that I work with that did college radio. So it really, that's kind of like our uh, farm team for yeah. the music industry is college radio. I mean, one of them at least anyway. Um, so yeah, Metal Blade uh, was looking for someone and I applied my senior year and got hired two weeks before I graduated, moved to California, and here I am. Dude, that's awesome. Shout out to the college radio. That's where me and Ian started out, man. And we, yeah. dude, I, you probably remember, I don't know, you probably remember sending stuff to Kevin and Steve before me and Ian got the job. We, I do, yeah. Yeah, we got the job. We were doing college radio, and KISW actually set up uh, Be the Next Host of Metal Shop. And Metal Shop was a show that we had been, I mean, I remember you know, smoking weed in high school and listening to Metal Shop. It was a show that was like this iconic show. So we never thought that we would, you know, take it over. But we won this contest, and then, you know, the next week we were the next host of Metal Shop. So, But it wouldn't have been that way without College Radio, man. That's the— Right, yeah. That's the— Yeah, it's it's one of those things, right? You know, you, you go away from home to college, mm-hmm. and you kind of rebuild yourself as a human being. Like, you, it's all new people, and— a lot of people go through, like, come out of their shell in college, and yep. college radio is so important for that. Like, I wouldn't be the same person I am today had it not been for college radio and that that whole experience. You know, it's one of those things where I, I really, I don't really fear public speaking anymore. Um, uh, it's yeah, just little t- things like that, yeah. you know. Uh, I, I learned that in college. Um, I, I got a business degree with a marketing emphasis, and awesome. I learned a lot about alcohol. And I, I <laughs> use all three of those things. Yeah near daily dude uh so <clears throat> what was your college radio show did you do a metal show or did you do like a did you or did you man the boards for like uh you know the npr show or what did you do no we, we actually were proudly unaffiliated with the npr that was a big thing with the station at okay. the time yeah um they wanted in and we kept saying no oh, that no. it's completely student run you know we because it was very that station um was a breeding ground for radio talent in the local area. Okay, it was really yeah. common for alumni to get jobs uh, at commercial stations within Wisconsin, Illinois, and yeah. Minnesota, all, Iowa. Um, 
so Thursday nights on the air since the early 80s was a show called The Heavy Metal Meltdown. Yeah. And I, I took it over with this other guy, Dozer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we ran it together for two years. Um, but we were on the show for – I was on the show for three. Dozer, I think, was on for four. Um, just on the show and on the station in general, I actually was the music director and the program director. Uh Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a lot of work, uh, cause we were mostly an alternative, uh, like typical college, college radio rock. top yeah, 200 type rock, station, yeah. everything from like Bayside to the yeah, 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 in our regular sure. format and a little heavier. It was kind of a cool mix. Um, and then there were specialty shows only at night. Yeah. So like Wednesday was punk night or something. Thursday was metal. You know, we, we did a 12 hour show at the end of every semester yeah. from noon to midnight, yes. did a bunch of giveaways and listener interaction. It was, it was pretty fucking wild, man. We, we kind of lived like a weird college rock star life in that regard. Yeah. You know, we got a bunch of free energy drinks from Rockstar for promos yeah. for the campus. And it was, it was a, a really good place to actually learn about the music business. I mean, I did a lot of interviews, yeah. uh, almost none of which were good. I was pretty terrible at it. Hey, that's, um, I remember some of look... my first interviews too, dude. <laughs> yeah, they were terrible. Uh, but I got to meet a lot of dudes in metal. Uh, Odorous from Guar, yeah. Jamie Joss, uh, uh, the Dragon Force guys, just uh, Killswitch. Mm-hmm. I did an interview with uh, Adam D's, one of the best interviews I'd ever done. So it kind of got me over that whole, yeah, these are guys in big bands. Like, um, you know, like start just being like comfortable being around famous people. What, what's a uh, starstruck? Yeah. So get over that. So when I was at Metal Blade, I didn't really have any of that. I'm a new guy at a label, kind of weird. Oh, sh- do you get to meet the bands? That kind of thing. <laughs> no, you you weren't a f- still a fanboy. You you had worked. Yeah. At least, I mean, you know, we're all there's always going to be an artist that makes us fanboy. For me personally, you know, I could be cool around you know X, Y, and Z, but then when I met the Deftones, I kind of you know made a kind sure. of an ass out of myself. But you know, it's all good. You know, you just kind of got to check yourself here and there. But yeah, uh, and, and look, I'm not going to say that uh, um, not fangirling out or whatever yeah th- that doesn't mean i haven't made an ass out of myself <laughs> that certainly happens anyway sure <laughs> but yeah I've, I've talked to dave Grohl multiple times and it's yeah. never been oh my god it's just hey dave uh because i i'm often doing photos and stuff too yeah so i've asked him to do photos with people just for like the metal blade socials yeah uh, so i kind of have an in there that i'm not uh i'm providing some sort of service i i don't know <laughs> Uh, it's not just to say hi or whatever, but yeah, it's never really bothered me to approach people like that. As long as you can kind of read the room and know that you're going to completely ruin their day or something. But Hey man, before I've said it before that the best part about being a radio show host is I get paid to be a punisher. Um, right. Yeah. I just, I, I, I have a reason to go up and like bug people and punish them and they have a reason to talk to me. So, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, usually my kind of rule for seeing a celebrity in L.A. or something, um, I'll just uh, say, hey, love your work. Thanks, man. And that's that's it. And just walk away. <laughs> Do you ever get recognized? Does anyone like, hey, you're that uh, guy from Metal Blade Social? Uh, I I did when I was doing college radio. Nice. In, in my college town, p- people would buy because they would recognize me and those are like our voices. Mm-hmm. Um, and we Every once in a while, people would buy us drinks. Uh, nice. Never really at Metal Blade, though. I don't think uh, we're we're not. You know, the people at Metal Blade outside of Brian aren't aren't super public faces. We've been in things. If you watch, you yeah. know, things like the uh, As I Dying DVD or the Black Dolly Murder DVD, there are um, there's some staff in there sprinkled throughout. But, but for the yeah, most we're part, not, it... we're not super public, and it, it's it's not about us either, right? It's it's, it's about, about the, the bands. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. 
Sweet, man. Well, uh, how did you, so did you do any internships or anything while you were in college, like with any labels or how did you, did you just straight up apply yeah. for the job or? No, I did. Um, I can't believe I, I totally forgot about that. That's kind of an important thing too. I yeah. interned at Victory Records actually. Oh, okay. Because they, they're, they're in Chicago, so it was easy for me to do. I didn't yeah. have to travel across the country for no money and somehow afford to live. Um, so yeah, I did an internship there, uh, actually under Mike Jacobau, who now works for Sumerian records. Okay, nice. So yeah, I was, I Small was doing world. the, uh, phone list to college radio, uh, for my internship working, uh, barrier dead record. Oh, you, and, uh, you probably sent Band. that to dead air. Yeah. You probably sent that yeah. to, to dead air at KGRG, our old show. <laughs> yeah. And then the, um, the BT Bam covers album. Oh yeah. I got that CD. That's awesome. I, I got to look up what uh, Barrier Dead record that was. I actually f***ing love that band. Barrier Dead is so stupid, but so awesome, dude. Yeah, I love it. It, it must. It, yeah, it was Beauty and the Breakdown, which is a great f***ing record. Yeah, dude. That band, like I said, stupid, awesome. Like, And, and I don't think that they have any, would would uh, would would have any offense to that because it's just like it no, is, it's, there's it's a time amazing. and a place for that. And when you're at the gym, you want to pump some iron, you got to listen to Barrier f***ing. King dead, bury your king dead. It's it's self aware, right? It's exactly it's the same reason why I love Immortal. Oh yeah, like it's 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 honest, but it's also self aware. So Beauty and the Breakdown, the story I've heard is that record really put Jason Sukoff on the map. Okay, as a producer, nice. Sonically, that album was that's what uh, I've been told. The Black Dahlia Murder went to Jason Sukoff because of that album. Wow. Wow. All right. So yeah, there you go. Listen to that, especially if you listen to cover your tracks and then that like sonically how much how, different, how much different it's pretty crazy. All right, man. I'll I'll go back yeah. and listen to that one, dude. Um so so you went from Victory to there and and actually before I go uh <clears throat> before we go into the Metal Blade thing, I'm I'm curious cuz you you know we talked about uh, do you doing some video stuff and and all that with that you do with Metal Blade? How much um of a role do you still take in like a, you know, uh talking to or talking to college radio and stuff like that—is that still a huge part of your job? Is that the main part of your job still, or how how much of a role does that take? I, I wouldn't call it the main part of my job at this point, but it's a main part of it. I don't mm -hmm. know; it, it's a, a good percentage, but it's really more of um, I don't do big call lists or really try to bother people. Yeah, because because I was a, a kid at college radio, I know what it's like to have records worked to me. Oh yeah. And a lot of the artists we work are really niche um, or, you know, we know every station's not going to play because especially within college radio, the metal shows are often very thematic Yeah. Uh, with the, the genres they do play. So it's more about putting the right records in front of the right people. Uh, for example, if it's usually when somebody sends me their chart at the beginning of the week and I see they haven't played a record that I think they'll like, I'll drop, I'll nudge them like, Hey, this, I think this is one you're super going to dig. Here's what it sounds like. Uh, that's how I really like to work things to radio because college radio ultimately, uh, if, uh, cultivated properly can be a really cool, passionate street team for tons of different bands. Absolutely. Uh, that's their tastemakers in the, in their little corner of the universe. And if you spend your time at college radio, trying to coerce college kids into playing albums for chart positions, you're just going to either number one, annoy them or two, make them resent you. Yep. And now you have spins that exist only on paper on a chart that never actually happened. And is there CMG anymore or like where, where no, do those charts CM go to? C yeah. CMJ is gone. There's NACC and uh, the one or two other charts that do kind of metal things here and there, but 
not the big central um, chart that CMJ really was. I mean, exactly, CMJ yeah. charts for a good chunk of time there were being on the top 200 CMJ really helped break a lot of bands oh, in yeah. the 90s and 2000s. And that was really for t- like active um, not active rock, but more alternative type bands. That was actually a really important part of any marketing plan. And it was actually mentioned a lot in meetings in metal. When I first started at metal blade, there were a lot of conversations about CMJ and FMQB charts, mm-hmm. but, um, with those all gone, it's kind of more just meetings. If radio's brought up, it's really, if the band is trying to work something to radio yeah. on a com- national rock level, otherwise it's really never mentioned anymore. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's just, Hey, somebody's sending it to radio, right? Cool. Got it. That's it. That's funny. And I, I remember in college, uh, you know, filling out weekly, I would, I would count up all, I would literally go through our logs. I would count them up how many times we played this and this and that. And then I would, have to just enter it manually into a computer and send off our lists in order to get those cds in the crates uh keep on coming you know yeah and i try to explain that to people now and i think the collapse of any sort of centralized charting has really affected college radio uh in that i receive so much less charts uh, and i try to explain to people at radio you have to send out your weekly chart so labels and radio promoters know that your station exists Otherwise, we won't know to send stuff to you. You have to let us know where to send it. And a lot of stations just don't bother. They're just like, yeah, no, I don't do that. Uh, Okay, well, do you want the albums? Yeah, cool, send them over. And that's the last time I ever hear from that station. Yep. Um, It's just kind of... uh, (laughs) Unless it's like, hey, can you get me into the Cannibal Corpse concert? (laughs) Yeah, and actually, when people reach out for tickets and interviews, I love that. I mean, that's that's what we want to do ultimately is... You know, get them excited about bands coming to town and help spread the word and do some interviews. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, I at least like that much. And there there are still quite a few stations like that as well. It's just I know there's so many more college stations out there just lurking in the shadows that I, I probably don't know about. Because, uh, yeah, there's literally hundreds um, if you add them all up. So it's kind of like a, an endless task to try to tra- uh, tr- track them all down and keep the info updated, you know? Yeah. We're, we're talking about updating contact info. This is the most exciting podcast in the history of time. Hey, man, we're getting super <laughs> nerdy about this, dude. Yeah. I, this is this is the meta, like, uh, metal inside, uh, behind-the-scenes nerd talk. We're not talking to, you know, uh, Jesse Leach from Killswitch here. We're talking to an insider behind the scenes with the minutia. This is the things I yeah. like to break down on a, on a Wednesday night here. Uh, but Oh, man. Uh, well, let's get back to something people might actually be interested in. No, I'm just kidding. Uh <laughs> What are what were some important albums to you like growing up? What were some like Keystone like your favorite records at uh you know and these days we have access to everything but like back yeah. in back in the day you know there would be those like five ten CDs that you would have in your CD binder at all times. What were some of your keys uh, albums that you would go back to? Um, in Flames, Clayman. Yes. Uh, there was a Seven Dust record in there for a long time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Tool Enema. Mm-hmm. Classic. Let's see. Uh, the the first self titled Kill Switch. Oh yeah, dude. That's cool. Uh, that you get se- to work. Seven with Angels, them. Seven Plagues. Oh, uh, dude, that band Jasmine's is Lullaby. Killer. You going to Furnace Fest? I feel like um, they got to play that, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's overdue for a show, right? My the band I was in in college actually recorded our album with the drummer from Seven Angels, Seven Plagues. Oh, he that's produced so awesome. it. And it that's I, the shittiest I've ever felt as a drummer because he's unbelievable and I'm a <laughs> hack. And it was my first time going into the studio as a college kid. Yeah. Just 
woefully unprepared, had never played to a click. Yikes. <laughs> so are, are you going to tell us the name of your band so we can look it up? Or is it anywhere, oh, man, anywhere I, out there? I, it, was, it was a band called Now a Murderer. Okay. And it was with uh, a guitar player that was in that band, End This Day. Um, okay. Another guy from... Oh, shit, now I can't fucking remember. But uh, the the singer was the uh, original singer for Forever is Forgotten. Okay, so I'm That's assuming kind of metalcore. Yeah, it, it was. I would say it's safe to call it kind of like a, a metalcore, um, darkest hour, soil work kind of okay. melodic thing. Not melodic death metal, that's for sure, but more you know melodic. Hard. Hey, at the time we weren't really calling it metalcore. That wasn't super common yet. Yeah, it was. It we would have just called this like a melodic hardcore band or something. I don't. I don't know. That that's a. I was just reading the uh, Shy Halud um, Decibel Hall of Fame that just came in the mail uh, today, and and uh, Matt Fox he was saying we didn't really call ourselves metalcore. We were just a hardcore band that right. was taking influences from all these different places. Yeah, yeah. Matt Fox is one of my favorite human beings on earth. Yeah. I love that dude. He he only ever addresses me by uh, old lady names. <laughs> He'll say like Mildred or Hey Ruth, uh, especially over email. It's fantastic. Oh <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah. So what was your band again? Now a murderer. All right. Was, uh, Greatest hits phrase, coming out on that, Metal Blade 2021. You're right. Yeah, it was a phrase from uh, Clockwork Orange. Nice. Uh, you're now a murderer, little Alex thing. Is that on but Spotify? Yeah, we, uh, no, I actually stopped paying TuneCore to keep it up because it was just costing <laughs> me like 50 bucks a year to keep this album up on DSPs that no one was listening to. Yeah. So I finally just gave up on it. Uh, so no, it's I, you might be able to find it uh, on YouTube, but I'm not really sure anymore. Go to Wisconsin, um, find it in the dollar bin. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple hundred CDs in the old le- the lead singer's closet. I know that for a fact. Hit him somewhere up. in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> send it out with some Metal Blade mail order. See see if he can make some new fans. Uh, hey, I, but I, I did send the CD out uh, to some labels and stuff when I was in college, and I actually got decent feedback on it. It, nice. it was never going to get signed, but yeah. I did hear back. I, <laughs> the best feedback I no really tribunal. Was, I, you didn't get signed to tribunal or you know anything no, like that. No, no. <laughs> the, the the best response I think I did hear was that uh, it was the best demo they've ever been sent by a college radio metal dude. <laughs> nice. That's a lot <laughs> or, of like, uh, or or at least better than most or something like something like that. It's a very specific compliment. Yeah, it was just thanks. Essentially thanking me for it not being the worst thing that they'd ever heard, which you know I'll take it. Dude, that's awesome. Uh. Well, okay, so those are some of the records that got you, you know, really pumped yeah. on metal, and then... Um, God, we're really wandering, aren't we? I'm hey, sorry about it's that. it's all good, dude. That's why it's the podcast. Good. How did you get hired uh, at Metal Blade, man? You, you you just saw they had an opening for the college radio, uh, you know, person, and... No, no, I, and I kind of glossed over that earlier, but the specifics were, um, I was, at the time, booking shows on a, I, a couple of times basis. My band had played some shows with Vail Amaya, um, nice. Some things like that. Yeah. Um, so I was really active, and when we sent out our radio chart numbers every week, we'd say in those emails what the station was doing: giveaways, crazy contests, you know, pictures of our events, things That's like that. Cool. I mean, we did events at tattoo shops in town. Um, it, it, we were super active in the local, you know, metal community. Yeah. And so when you put that in your email every week and you're sending it to radio stations, they obviously know you're doing it. And that's kind of what I tell people is I didn't plan on working in a label or in music in an official capacity. I was going to just keep doing metal uh, in Wisconsin in whatever way I could on the side, you know, playing in bands, booking in shows. Yeah. And just get a normal job to essentially pay for that hobby. Um, but 
right before I graduated, Metal Blade actually reached out and said they were looking for someone and asked me to send a resume. That's amazing. And that was that was it. I did a couple of phone interviews and they said, all right, when can you start? And and so you just moved to California straight up like that? Yeah, my grandma gave me $500 for my college graduation. And uh, that was pretty much the only way I was able to wow. afford the gas. Damn. So, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I was in some credit card debt for having an unpaid internship at Victory Records. Oh man! Uh, so it was really tight for a little while there. It was, uh, but you know, that's that's what that's what college is for, right? Dr- somehow being too broke to eat, but not too broke to drink. Exactly. Getting A, and and then you got that d- dream gig. I mean, I I would assume so. It's crazy. Like right out of college, dream gig at at the premier like independent. And and, it's crazy. and give, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Metal Blade is independent record label, correct? Yeah, that's yeah, what totally I thought. independent. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, um, most most of the metal labels out there at this point have been purchased by majors or larger companies in some capacity. But Metal Blade is pretty much, as far as I'm aware, the last one from the '80s that's still truly independent. There there might be a couple of those out there, but most of our big competitors, I would say, it's fair to say they've been bought out, which is crazy. It's a wild world out there, man. And uh, yeah, that's that's nuts, man. And and so day one. You show up, Metal Blade Records, and what year was this? Was it, what, 2008 or something? 2007, yeah. 2007? So you show up, I mean, and uh, were, were you just like, all right, let's jump in, and, and how did how was it adapting to that like work environment straight out of college, and you just all uh, guns blazing, just stoked on your life right there? I was super green. Yeah, I was, I was pretty excited, of course. Um, I was super green. Really didn't know a lot about what I was doing. Just yeah. started working things to college radio and realized quickly social media was a thing we needed to be uh, on. So, yeah, I started building that out. And at the same time, I had some HTML and CSS experience from helping my bands over the years build websites. Yeah. So I was able to actually help bands do crazy custom MySpace designs. Oh, yeah. Uh, All right. I I mostly reverse engineered code from better coders that really, truly understood how to build it. And I was good enough to kind of, you know, view source on Facebook, find the CSS. And it was being shared at the time, too, right? Everybody was like bands were talking about that really actively. So I'd find code and I knew enough to be able to edit CSS and HTML to kind of twist it to my will rather yeah. than write it outright, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, but yeah, that was super important at the time. And I also taught myself Photoshop uh, after having, I think I had one class in college Yeah. Uh, uh, and taught myself Photoshop and over the years have become a decent graphic designer. That's awesome. Kind but, of just yeah, a- I mean, look, everybody's like, what, uh, one hour's worth of YouTube tutorials away from almost any skill on earth. So there's really no reason not to be kind of a sponge as much as you can. It's Especially a for it, yeah. a business like this where we have so many random needs. If, yep. What if somebody sends a file type that we don't understand? What am I going to do? Say, oh, I can't open that. I don't know how to open that. Or am I going to figure it out? And instead of being another sack of dead weight burden on another company, I'm just going to make it happen, you know? Yeah. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of people out there that like to say no or just, oh, I don't get it. And that's like the end of it And rather than if you don't get it, it's – the time it took you to send that email that you don't get it, you could have Googled how to get it. So what the hell are you doing? Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I guess I'm like that. You know, when we needed lyric videos, I said in a meeting, I'll, I'll figure it out. And I think the first one I did was for hammers of misfortune, 17th street. Okay. And then I did uh goat whore. Um, 
Uh, carving out the eyes of God? I, I gotta look that up. I actually don't remember. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where you go on a site, you look it up, and you start pulling apart art in Photoshop and figure it out, right? That's awesome, man. And being in such like a, I would assume you guys are. Do you know how many uh, you know people are in your office and how many people are employed by Metal Blade? About? Yeah, it's uh, in the U.S. It's twelve or fourteen now. I'd, I'd have to write the names down. Uh, yeah. We have a publicist we, we work with in Canada. Uh, two people in the UK and a bunch of people in Germany as well. I don't remember the exact number there, but it's it's not as big as a lot of people uh, think. So it's a pretty lean team, and and, and you guys yeah. always kind of gotta you know step up and and be multi talented, and that's yeah. kind of cool about it. And and it seems like in um, uh, that's like probably one of the most positive parts about being a small staff is that you can yeah. get things done. Uh, it, and uh, I, I was listening to a hip hop podcast called No Jumper, and uh, the guy was talking about how he had dealings with like a major like a hip hop. Uh, uh, or he was dealing with a major label and, and it was just hard to get projects going because it was, you know, you'd have this idea and then it would just take so long uh, for something because yeah. like everything has to be approved and, and everyone's, you know, on different schedules. And, you know, with your your guys is um, kind of like a lean, small team. It seems like a lot more active. Yeah, we can move super fast, and we've talked about that as well before, that bands a lot of times will come to us because we can get things done so quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, manufacturing, we can get it about done as, qu- as quickly as anybody else with the difficulty of vinyl right now. But as far as digital assets and things like that, yeah, we can turn stuff around really fast. And even budget approvals, we can turn around relatively fast because it's, for me, it's an email away or I walk two office doors down and, you know, knock on a door and, sure. you know, bring it up to somebody. Hey, ch- check check out that budget we'd like to get this going as soon as possible and that's really the only line of approval we need nice um so it's not as if you're running it up the chain two or three management levels and somebody's on vacation here or whatever yeah it's really complicated the more and that's major labels can do a lot of really cool things Mm -hmm. but yeah they do generally move a little bit more slow because there's so many more people and approvals and just more structured because it's a lot larger. So as an indie, you know, we have the advantage of being light and fast, but we're cl- definitely not as big as a lot of, you know, any major label really. So you kind of trade. I don't, we're, we're like a pirate ship on the ocean with a couple cannons hoping for the best rather than a really slow, you know, 40 gun Spanish galleon, right? <laughs> well, you had that pirate logo, know. so it makes sense. Yeah, there you go. And I, I did find the Goat Whore lyric video. So the first real major lyric video I'd say I did was Goat Whore Collapse in Eternal Worth. Nice. And that came out in 2011. That's a great record, by the way. That was a good yeah, that's a, record. Yeah, that's a really good album. Uh, and I look back on that now, and I, I don't understand how I even knew enough about After Effects to attempt that. <laughs> I that that project file, I'm sure, is an absolute disaster of workflow. That's just really bad workflow. That's one of those things. Over time, too, you learn how more effectively to work. Yeah. Not just how to get more done. Is we have to know the difference between cutting corners and just getting things done effectively. And when you learn a program as complex as After Effects, that stuff becomes really important too, where you have to really learn a lot of hotkeys and things like that. And I, people kind of get weirded out about knowing a lot of hotkeys on a PC or something uh, for programs or whatever. There's still a lot of people out there that think, oh, what nerd? Oh, sorry, I know how to work efficiently. Right. Jeez, I didn't realize that was such a inconvenience to you. Um, but work yeah, smarter, it's really not harder, important. right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how basic computer courses, uh, uh, email literacy, those things aren't part of general education at this point. 
Um, you shouldn't have to even address by the end of high school how to format an Excel, uh, one Excel cell or just how to copy and paste on PCs. And I don't know, the copy and paste might be a little bit uh, too basic, but you get the idea. No, totally. There's a lot of things that, yeah, I, I don't get it. And you have to be super on your feet and be a sponge about those things to really be effective, I think, in any really highly competitive or like office type business. Otherwise, you just fall behind. You're a very effective metal sponge, Vince. I, I try to be. <laughs> God, that was, I, I feel like that was super rambly, man. What the hell are we no, talking about? No, dude. Hey, what time is it? Who it, is this? Oh, my God. Now, uh, well, you wanted it more like the Rogan podcast, so there you go. There we go. Exactly, man. Have you ever done DMT? <laughs> no, no, definitely okay. not. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so let me ask, uh, what's today these days? Like, what, what's, uh, what's a day in the life of, of Vince at work? What do, you, what do you, you know, what's uh, your schedule like? Or is it, you know, up in the air? Day to day. Well, I just I just switched my schedule officially, and Metal Blade's super cool about that, about kind of being able to build the schedule that makes sense for you. Cool. Some some of us come in, come in early, some of us come in later. Um, I changed my schedule to be uh, six a.m. to three p.m. Okay. Um, so I get in super early, and if there's stuff from Europe, I can deal with that while they're still in the office for a little bit, and I really get a couple hours at the office to be able to dive into some more complex uh, video work. Nice. It gets to be a little difficult to concentrate on really tedious animations when you're making a lyric video while there's a lot of noise at the office or a lot of really last-minute requests because a lot of things, like we talked about moving fast, a lot of things come in day of when a lot of people are in the office. We need this social post image or we need uh, a tour ad mat done or we need help with a pre-ordered T-shirt design. I also do occasionally do T-shirt designs. Okay. Uh, so you kind of have to be available to jump on those things as they pop up, uh, obviously, depending on the urgency. So it becomes a lot more difficult to just uh, dive into a video for an extended period of time. So it's really nice to be able to get in early and then leave around three and you know go to the gym and kind of have a, a second part of the day rather than a – I always felt like a nine to six grind was the worst time because uh, yeah. you really don't get a morning and at night you, you just want to go to bed right away. It's just like a weird shift for me. Uh, but yeah, it's really just come in, deal with Europe, any requests that are immediate, and then dive into video stuff. And then in the afternoon, it's just chaos and catching up on emails and radio charts and all that type of thing. And uh, jabronis like me requesting interviews and stuff. And, and you yeah, have to, yeah, yeah, there's still there's still a lot of that, and uh, that that's what I like. You know, I want I want bands to stay busy and feel like people care because it's it's hard, man. Uh, developing bands and getting people to get on board with bands. Uh, even bands that have been around for a little while, it takes time. Yeah. Uh, I had a really cool conversation with Alex Wade from Whitechapel uh, a couple months back about how he feels now it's it's finally really working for them. That people have seen, I think he phrased it some something like, people have seen the name enough that we know, and they know we're not going away. And it's just like, all right, I, I should probably listen to this band. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> something like that. I agree. You know, it's, it took them a long time to really build in Europe. So they would do huge uh. shows here and then go to Europe. And it was a little... It took. It takes time to cross the Atlantic in either direction, right? Um, and they've they've got that there too. So the work for them is really starting to pay off, and that I think that speaks volumes to bands because they're how many records in five, six, and over ten years now. Yeah. Uh, and that's how long they feel like it's taken for them to get to a place where they can finally do this for a living, and they have enough fans to be able to actually turn it into a legitimate actual business. 
they took a big uh, risk with the new album, but I think it paid off in, in dividends, man. I think that new record is just, it's way, it's different in a sense, like with the melodies, but I just, I love it. It's my favorite Whitechapel record yet, so. It's fantastic. I think the record before it was still still good. Um, I think there was a couple of really cool songs in there. The Void uh, was one I remember being really cool that I, I wish would have been a single. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, The Valley was just such a jump. Um, we knew they were going to try some singing. Singing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just don't think we knew it was going to be that uh, well executed. Uh, it's so hard for a metal band to do that and sound honest. Just, I think it's also hard for an active rock band to do not clean vocals and sound honest. Yeah. Like it just doesn't fit. It's weird looking shoes or something. I don't know. It just doesn't work. Uh, but yeah, Whitechapel really does it. Uh, and I don't know. It's I don't want to fan out about it too much, but yeah, it's there's people in the office that liked Whitechapel before that have said they become one of their favorite bands on the label. That's awesome. Just now because of this record. And maybe it's because their older stuff really wasn't for everybody. Mm -hmm. It was definitely like more younger appealing music. And I think what fans may or may not realize, uh, maybe they do, maybe I'm not giving them enough enough credit, but uh, these guys aren't going to write the same music they wrote when they were 18. Yeah. And who They're not a MySpace deathcore band anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, who would? There's, (laughs) you know, there's not a band on the planet that I, I feel like enjoys playing old music with, you know, a couple exceptions. Uh, you just you get tired of it and you grow as a musician and you kind of do something different. That's not to say bands need to do a jazz revival, but if they kind of morph and mutate the sound over time, that's just what they're going to do. And look, the fact that almost essentially every band on the planet has gone through some changes over time, why should it ever come as a surprise at this point, right? Absolutely, man. And Dude, you said it well. Uh, that's cool that there's people jumping aboard and, and, and really stoked on the new record. Um you per, uh, so you know you you kind of hinted there like you said oh we kind of had an idea that they that they wanted to do some singing and, and change it up a little bit do you guys get insight like that do you guys talk to the bands like before they go into the record or before they go into record a new album or is it kind of just you know you get what you get and and uh, you know sometimes you know you you know you just kind of got to work with what you get how is it that it depends on the, it depends on the bands okay um, it de- it really depends on the relationship with the bands. Um, you know, if it's it's if it's a death metal band from Germany, I usually when we get it, we get it, and it's whomever has that relationship with the band will have that conversation, okay. or yeah. whoever was responsible for signing the band probably talk to him about it. But it's not a thing that we actively seek out for approvals or anything like that. It's more they're excited to fill us in. We do generally require, especially bands we haven't worked with before or just signed or, you know, whatever, send us demos. Mm-hmm. We, we definitely want to hear some demos if possible uh, before we drop a bunch of money on studio time. So there's a little bit of that, but I've never seen us get demos and say, this sucks, you have to do it again. I, I've never seen it happen. That's awesome. Um, it's more just, I, I don't know, like J- Job for Cowboy, I remember for a time there when they had new members, they did the Gloom EP. And that was, uh, I'm pretty sure they kind of did that to just test the waters with the new songwriters and kind of get the juices flowing or something like that. Um, It's, yeah, especially when bands have new songwriters and things, you just don't know what the songwriting dynamic's going to be like. And yeah, if there might be something exciting. And this might sound really superficial. I'm not really sure. Uh, Again, I I honestly don't know where I am. Um, It's, we want to be able to tell a marketing story. We want our retail guy to be able to go to stores and say they have this exciting new guitar player that wrote these killer new songs. Yeah. 
but obviously with more marketing fluff, but we have to be able to tell that to people. So we're involved in the band in that capacity where we generally speaking know what's going on with the band. Not always, but we usually have a good idea. Um, or as good of an idea bands want to let us know really. Um, just so we're able to paint a cool picture of the band and sell them as artists because totally. we're metal is such a personal thing. Uh, when people get attached to bands, they know about the members a lot of times. I mean, obviously not every band, but the more people can relate to a band and feel like the band are cool dudes that they want to hang out with, the easier it is to really gain long-term fans. And those bands are often the types of bands like Black Dahlia Murder that'll hang out at the merch booth and take photos and things like that. So if we're involved in the album recording process, uh, it's really just more on that creative level. I mean, these these people are the fans are dedicated, you know, and and, and that's even we're even seeing like uh, kind of that view in like underground uh, hip hop music. I follow a lot of that stuff. And and there's a lot of people that are following people all the way up from their SoundCloud. And even if it's like grimy, terrible basement recording hip hop, you know, they'll follow them and they'll give them more likes than the, you know, thing that's being pushed on them from like a mainstream label. Um, And it's just it's cool to see. like you said, kind of a story and people following along and, and really just, you know, being, you know, they're able to see through what's kind of fabricated and they're able to see what's real. And uh, it's cool. Oh to- yeah. Dude, metal fans has some of the sharpest bullshit detectors on the planet. And I, the one thing I always say is we don't sign bands because we want to change who they are. We sign bands because we already like what they're doing. Nice. Um, there, there's been times where we've signed bands. I I've seen it once or twice where the record we put out was sonically different than the record before that. And people often associate that with, Oh, metal blade made them change their sound. It's often the fact that maybe that band had uh, a bigger recording budget than they're used to. Mm-hmm. So they were able to actually get the sound they wanted and for there better or for worse sometimes. Right. They so had that, options. That, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're never involved. Like, if a band has something sonically specific about them, we obviously don't want to change that. We're not going to make Midnight do an overproduced, polished studio album. That just doesn't make any sense. Um, but that also doesn't mean that I'm going to tell Brody from Rivers and Isle not to put saxophone on his record. Yeah. I'm going to say, you want to try saxophone? Sick. I want to hear that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, Yeah. Just give them a budget and let them play with it and, and you know, work with it and, and see what comes out with it. If you trust the band, you trust yeah. the art, then fuck it. Let's have yeah, some fun. Yeah, that's really it. Yeah. <laughs> if we're not honest about that from the beginning, then it's, you know, I don't think it works. So I got a lot of people probably listening to this podcast that uh, maybe are, you know, in bands, in, in music. Uh, what uh, what advice would you give them if, if, like, they really want to take that next step and maybe send their you know, CD or send their MP3s or, or really get the attention of a label, not just Metal Blade, but, you know, maybe a smaller label or, or, or something like that. What, what advice would you give to young musicians who want to take that next step and, you know, maybe be on a roster of a, of a rad record, metal record label? Um, super polished socials. Claim your Apple Music and Spotify profiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, real nice YouTube channel. Be active on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I believe Rivers and Isle in one of their studio videos said that Conjurer was on their U.S. tour because of Twitter. Oh, nice. So if you're active on Twitter, creating content, talking to other musicians, sharing their content, sharing yours, you know, just caring about the scene and then being present physically in your local scene as well. Yeah. Um, 
if you're doing all those things and you're not a complete pile of garbage and the music you're doing is good, it should build over time. And labels really want to see bands now for the, I mean, ideally that are already making things happen on their own. We can't really, I, I don't know that there's a label on earth right now that would be confident enough to say we can make something happen from nothing. Um, because we don't really, we're tastemakers to be sure, yeah. but we don't really control what people give it about. It's a good point. So we have to bring things on board that people already seem to give a little bit of about at least. So there's something for us to build. Otherwise it's just such an impossible task. Um, I can't take a band that has no following to a booking agent and ask them to book that band. Uh, what's their draw? Who knows? I, I can't. <laughs> you, you get you get like one of those a year with a booking agent as a favor if he really he or she really likes the music, um, but you can't do that with like ten developing bands. It just it's not going to happen. So there, what what are you going to do? You're going to put out an album. You might get a couple reviews, maybe a few college stations play it. They play a couple local shows. End of list. <laughs> the end. Then they'll sit for two years and go. Well, I guess well we should do that again. Um, you already have to be trading shows regionally and being able to route tours there's bands routinely on independent labels that still route their own tours if they need to it's just something yeah. not only should a local band know how to do that uh it's something they really need to do if they figure out what it's like to live in a van together mm -hmm. um i'm true firmly of the belief you have no business signing to a record label as a metal band if you've not traveled in a van together for at least a week and I don't think that's that big of an ask. It's just there's a lot of people that say they'd like to tour until they tour. And yeah. if you see a band get signed and the next record, there's two of the people left and three new members. I would put if that that would be the easiest game of roulette ever. The, the size of that corner of the wheel would be like 70 percent. Yeah. I'm just going to put my money on that. <laughs> that they went on tour and hated it and stayed home. <laughs> that's a good point damn that's funny. i'm sorry i i guess i i didn't ask if i should swear on this no dude it's all good this is uh this is not live so i'm just well I, yeah i'm yeah. using okay. adobe audition and i'm pressing the f8 key, key uh whenever we get swears so it's uh, just a little just, indicator just drop that tag yeah yeah exactly right, cool. <laughs> what are uh what are some some rad uh i mean we all know about the big bands on metal uh metal blade we know that the big our number one album of last year for metal shop was cattle decapitation we all know about the amana mars we know about the cannibal corpses so what are some uh, kind of I mean, you guys put out a lot of releases, and uh, to be fair, I think a lot of them probably go under the radar of people that, you know, maybe just have a peripheral vision. You know, we don't always just look at, like, label, you know, lists. We yeah. maybe just look at what's new on Spotify or what's new in the record store. What are some uh, some kind of albums that may have gone under the radar uh, as of, like, 2019 or, you know, as of late? 2019, eh? I'm bringing up our website to uh, to look. Yeah. Because we do so many, and one thing I've gotten worse at over the years is time. Sure. Remembering when that show or that album okay, came out, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somehow, I'm just getting terrible at that. It doesn't um, have to be 2019. Maybe, you know, within the last couple yeah. of years, just some. So, uh, the new Angel Witch is fucking awesome. Yeah. That's a band that's been around for a long time, and there's a lot of new metal fans that I think you know, younger metal fans that would really dig Angel Witch. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes old school metal really dives into the cheesiness too Nostalgia, much. Nostalgia, yeah, yeah. 
for new me- newer metal fans that aren't into that sound, Angel Witch really rides that line between early Metallica and kind of 70s metal where the vocals are just really relatable and you feel like you could sing along to it drunk at a bar. Totally. So that's one I think people should definitely check out. Uh, Hate from Poland is a, a new signing for us, but they've been around for a really long time. Yeah, that record's kinda killer. Ki- carrying the cho- torch for super brutal, like true black metal, like, you know, black and death metal anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah there's a bunch, man. Um, I don't know. It's frustrating because sometimes you want these records to do so much better than they do. And you feel like so many more people would be into it if they gave it a chance. It's just there's an impossible number of albums out there and there's really <laughs> only so much time that you have to listen to music, right? And I, when people go back to music now, they want to hear familiar stuff. So it really, it's a big ask these days yeah. for someone to try something new. But Master Boot Record is something I think a lot of people should check out. Uh, we signed it. It's uh, out of Italy. And he's got six or seven albums up on Spotify that he's released in the last three years. And it's, have you heard it? What? Master Boot Record. Is that a mastered boot record? Master Boot Record. It's a no. Re, it's a reference to a computer process. No, I have it's, not heard this. It's synthesized metal. It's metal that sounds like it's played and performs on a computer from the eighties wow. with uh, drum samples. That sounds awesome. It and fun. I, I guess on paper it could very much sound not awesome, but it, it's it sounds it's unique at least. By, <laughs> wait, say that again. It sounds unique at least. It's super unique and. It's not synthwave, but I would strictly put it. I would not strictly. I, w- I would definitely put it in that category. Um, but it's written by an unbelievable songwriter. Okay. Uh, this, yeah, he's the virtuoso piano player, and you'll hear that when you listen to it. The songs. Yeah, it's it's just weird to kind of be listening to something with no guitars. Yeah. But it's you can headbang to it because it's still distorted and weird. You'll have to check it out. Uh, we okay. have. His album coming out uh, in a couple weeks on Metal Blade, and that's going to be pretty cool. We're, we're just going to release it. We're not doing any advanced tracks. Yeah. It's just going to come out. And if you like and, it, you like it. Um, we'll have yeah, to... that, that's really it. I mean, right? Like, who cares about leaks anymore? Because we, we so desperately want people to hear new stuff. I don't care if they risk giving their computer a virus for no reason. They hear something they might be able to hear for free on the Internet anyway. Yeah. Uh, so really, who cares about leaks? Uh, it's really just we we really want people to be into new metal, obviously. And there's so many old bands coming back that are releasing albums for the first time. So we're kind of doing the reverse of that. Yeah. Trying to int- introduce new bands to bands that were around 20, 30 years ago. So Master so. Boot Record. We have a segment on Metal Shop called The Dub Sack where we play uh, bong rip sound effects and some tripped out music that people might you know, enjoy when medicating. Uh, that sounds like something that we might want to throw on during The Dub Sack. Absolutely. His last couple records, uh, one of them's Interrupt Request, is pretty incredible. Uh, it's something I listen to on a pretty regular basis, especially at the office or when I'm concentrating. Internet Protocol is another incredible record. All the songs are pretty much useless for you to even say on the radio. Um, <laughs> they just The song names are all references to computer processes. Okay. Or parts. So yeah. it, it's not like... Yeah, one of my favorite songs on Interrupt Request is IO4 IRQ4 mouse. <laughs> and the song before that is IRQ3 modem, IRQ2 cascade. It's all it's a has to do with computer processes. I I'm a geek for computers. I just don't know a lot of the computer science. That's uh, awesome. You know, tech side. But this is what it's all references to. He has a lot of weird uh, puzzles 
that you have to solve. Oh my god! Uh, to access content that's all like <laughs> cipher and computer related, it's crazy, man. This guy's a genius. Oh, wow. At, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Vince, uh, well, we're speaking with Vince Edwards uh, here from Metal Blade Records. I just got a couple more questions. I'm not going to keep you yeah, too I'm, long. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, dude. Don't be sorry. You, you got to get back yeah. to gaming. Uh, <laughs> what are what are some albums you're most excited for in 2020? I know you can't really, probably can't, you know, uh, put the cat out of the bag on too much. But what are some releases to get us hyped about in 2020 for Metal Blade? Uh, well, the God of Thrones coming out really soon. Yeah, um, that's pretty cool. God of Thrones getting back to doing satanic stuff. Uh, and, and away from the trilogy of World War One records they had, which are really cool. Um, but yeah, God of Thrones, a band I've loved for a really long time. I mean, one of the best original kind of, I don't know if they're original, but they're old school enough, especially for new school, school fans, to be an old school, legitimate European death metal band. Totally. I don't know. I, I still think there's room for people that don't, um, they really carry the torch for that really badass old school European death metal sound. You know, there's not a lot of bells and whistles I feel like I'm selling this so terribly, but yeah, it's just badass old school death metal from Europe. What more do you want? Exactly. Sung by an insanely tall uh, Danish dude. And it's awesome. about Satan, so badass. If you like Behemoth, if you like, uh, you know, even that band Hate we just talked about, it's a kind of blackened death metal. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair to say. Way more uh, death than blackened for sure. But um, yeah, uh, Rivers and Isle is going to record at some point but it's not going to come out this year and obviously that's pretty insane to see what they do next i know a legion is going to be recording soon they actually just recorded a super secret cover uh, uh that we're going to drop soon uh, another cover song of an old band Ooh. so that's cool i actually flew to denver and recorded some studio footage of that nice so we're, we're talking about some ideas to uh float that out into the universe and there's some funny uh promo ideas the band has and, th and that, that's that's an important thing I always want to mention too, records are more successful uh, and more fun to work with when the bands are really involved in the marketing and advertising side, when they want to help. Uh, there's a lot of times where that doesn't happen. The band is e either just not really involved or they're just bad at it or they're like, well, how do, how do computers work? I don't know how to do a Facebook post. Um, the, some of those bands are still out there. But when wow. the bands are super involved and into it, uh, man, it's awesome. That's what that's what really makes Master Boot Record, Rivers and Isle, yeah. Black Dahlia Murder. That's what really makes those all tick. Uh, is the band is just super involved in every step of the creative process, and it's a really cool just collaboration of awesome creative human beings. That's how you get things like the Black Dahlia Murder uh, Dungeon, uh, the Dungeons and Dragons RPG they're doing. Because yes. um, it's the the band, their merch guy, their manager, everybody working together to make things happen. Um, and it look it. I get one of the, th the things I could say to an unsigned band is that when you do get signed, uh, the amount you work and show that you're working will really make people work harder for you. Mm -hmm. I think that's true. That's just a general true thing for life. But if bands get signed, take the foot off the gas pedal and just expect everybody to do the lifting for them, uh, it becomes a band that's just not as fun to work with. And you, you got to hit like, the well, gas harder, man. Yeah, it's like, well, if you don't care, then why should I? And it's one of those things where I, I really, truly feel that if what you're doing is good and people like it, you'll get out of it what you put into it. Totally. Man, that's man, that's cheesy. Holy hell. Hey, it's all Yikes. good. Inspirational quotes here by Vince <laughs> Edwards from Metal Blade. Uh, I never thought you'd get that. Yikes. <laughs> live, laugh, love, brother. Uh, okay, so. Oh, man. That's a red flag <laughs> if you're on a Tinder date. You see that in a house. Oh, my God. Get out. Absolutely. Get out. Hey. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, I got nothing for you. That's absolutely <laughs> true. Uh, so what keeps you sane, dude? What, uh, with all your, your crazy work schedule, you know, um, you know, and doing all this awesome like stuff with metal bands and, and kind of having this dream job, what keeps you sane, uh, outside of it? You, I, I see that you're, you still do MMA or. I, I, I've been training kickboxing for a couple of years. Oh, Nothing kickboxing, serious. Kickboxing. Just, just okay. really, um, casual bag work a couple times a week at a couple different gyms now the one i'm at is pretty cool right now there's yeah. uh some fighters that train there and uh you know n- nothing like on the ufc level just local people or guys that you know used to fight more professionally and kind of just have local gym gigs but you're still learning from people that have actual ring experience so you're not beginning you're not going to be going up against josh barnett or anything anytime soon. no 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 <laughs> definitely not but uh yeah that and I have a pretty ridiculous uh, anger streak and an anger issue from just, you know, growing up and hearing people screaming and being angry as the first reaction to any sort of stress. So I I probably have some therapy in my future and just really trying to learn how to remove my ego from the creative process as much as possible. I I used to get a lot more bent out of shape about, you know, the video and photo work I did if bands didn't like it. And I really beat myself up over not being better at it. Just really... I, I definitely I wouldn't say I'm a perfectionist, but it's one of those things where I see what other people are doing. And if I'm not as good as that, then what's the point? And yeah. you kind of have to you have to be able to turn that off to be able to stay sane. Um, and yeah, just using after effects and things outside of work for personal projects uh, helps me stay sane because it helps kind of hit the reset button on that yeah. and forces me to learn new skills and pick up different ideas. And I'm having fun, but I'm also doing things for work and um you know, backpacking is awesome in Southern California, the desert, the mountains. You have a couple different choices, so that's pretty cool. You got to get up spend... here to the northwest sometime. There's some beautiful mountains. I know. Yeah. I know. I definitely need to do that. I have some friends up there, too, so I have really good, good excuses. But, yeah, just being able to not stare at a glowing rectangle because, hmm. you know, what did I do today? I stared at a computer from 6 to 3, came home, immediately started staring at a computer again, and now I'm here staring at a computer. And, uh <laughs> What kind of long-term psychological and physiological damages are we enduring by staring at glowing rectangles with immediate and constant feedback all day between work and social media? There's no way <laughs> there's no way on any level that that's healthy. So you got to be able to get out into the woods and just that's drill true. the fire and uh, stare at space. Get away from the black mirror. Uh, <laughs> dude, uh, it's been awesome talking to you, man. And um, I, I just have one last question here for you. And it's right, quite... so, sorry, you, so, sorry, you dropped out there for a second. I moved the volume thing, so I don't know if I missed anything after I rambled there for a second. Oh no, it's all good. I said that we gotta kind of disconnect from the black mirror every once in a while, and um, I just have one yeah. que- one question here for you. Uh, it's a question we ask every, pretty much every band that we've talked to since, and we were going on ten years now doing metal shop. So we're uh, we have asked this to every band: pick a scar on your body and tell us a story of how you got it, Vince. Um. I have a scar on my nose from when I was a toddler. Okay. And and the story I've been told, and I don't think – I I think it's too early for me to really have a memory. Um, I was told that my parents were at a barbecue or a bar. I don't remember which. And somebody okay. broke a glass bottle, and a shard of a glass beer bottle sliced my nose open a good Jesus. two inches. Oh, my God. Uh, and my mom said she held the wound together and then superglued it, I think. Um, and yeah, Holy five scar forever. So yeah, drunk at a Wisconsin bar or barbecue. Good old Midwest. Well, I, mean, I, I was too young to be drunk, but yeah. <laughs> that's amazing, dude. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. hardcore. 
uh, that's like uh, you're just regular uh, Mick Foley, Mankind style there. Man, right, yeah, hardcore. as a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. So uh, thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to me tonight, man. And, and, and this is Vince Edwards from Metal Blade Records. Uh, before we go, is there any uh, any place we can follow along with some of the work that you mentioned, like some of the lyric videos, some of the shots you do, some of the music videos, and um, you know, shout out your socials or whatever? Yeah, subscribe to the Metal Blade YouTube. It's Metal Blade Records. Uh, pretty easy to find. I really want to get us to a million subscribers, so they have to send us one of those dumb plaques. Yeah, that's that. That's my goal for 2020. Going into 2021, we have about a hundred thousand subs to go. So pour it on. Uh, and yeah, I, I've got a website, VinnieEdwards.com, and uh, you can link to my socials from there. That's any new um, videos usually go up there, and Metal Vinny on Instagram if you want to see concert photos, because that's you know. Concert photos in space, that's really all I care about posting on there at that point. At this point. So there you go, man. That's awesome, man. What video game are you going back to after we hang up the phone? I think I'm going to play Mordow, man. Super Metal is brutal. Uh, decapitating pe- people on the internet is a perfect stress relief after a long day. Do you have like a – do you play online? How can people play up against you? Uh, Mordow, uh, yeah, it's on Steam, on PC. Uh, my Steam ID, uh, it's – Dude, it's like Skype. I don't know what the hell it is. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I, like, I Metal Vinny on there, but I don't think that's my Steam ID. I'm not joking. I actually don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's just Metal Vinny on Steam. Metal Vinny. Look him <laughs> up. Look him up. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Why T- not? Tell him Metal Shop sent you. Dude, Vince, yeah. thanks so much for talking, man. It's always a pleasure talking with you, dude. Hey, appreciate it, man. Have a good one, bro. All right. Hail Satan. This has been Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 